0: Into turn three for the final time. Driving for his boyhood idol Tony Stewart, Chase Briscoe becomes the 200th winner in the history of the NASCAR Cup Series. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, well, we've got a pretty anticipated track to talk about. But to start, we're going to go through the Phoenix race and talk about what we saw there, any takeaways, how our bets did. Just a full recap of the Phoenix race and closing out that West Coast swing. Then it's time to talk about Atlanta. A very anticipated race for a lot of different reasons, and we're going to talk about why that is, and then talk about the risk that we're taking on this episode with the way that we're going about making our picks and the stats that we're going off of. Because I'm getting a little into the weeds here, and you know it's for good reason. So we'll talk about all the the conversation leading up to Atlanta, and then of course we got to get to picks. Who do we like to win the race? I'm calling them the Bad News Bears this week, and you'll find out why. And then finishing position bets, I've got one guy specifically that I really love this week for a top 10. And then we'll close things out, as always, with the head-to-head matchups this week. I've got some off-the-beaten-trail matchups this week, some guys that we haven't talked about in a head-to-head matchup. So it should be a fun head-to-head section to close out this episode. So to start, let's get into Phoenix chase briscoe is your winner and that was kind of out of left field i saw the people that did hit had some uh, big money on it plus I plus sixty six hundred, i think i saw somebody had his number at at one point in the week last week and this is big for a number of different reasons one for anyone who took the Stewart house racing over like myself uh, well now you know over 2.5 isn't looking too crazy right now so they already got one Stuart Haas showing some speed last week. You had Amarola in and out of the top 10. Uh, we did miss that bet, but he was in there. And then Kevin Harvick was very much in play, especially on that last restart. So Stuart Haas really showing that they're you know not going away after a down year last year. This was also the first time that we had kind of a random winner. And I say random in air quotes because... I had mentioned last week that until somebody that's not part of the the typical race winners that we see week in and week out, not one of the favorites and the the betting odds, until somebody way outside wins, you know, it's nice to see some of these newer guys up front and doing well in the top five, top 10. But unless somebody gets a win, I'm not really going to pay too much attention to it. Well, now that has happened. And, you know, there's reason to believe that this car is as advertised as we saw The top three were insane. You had Briscoe, you had Chastain, you had Redick. Really impressive to see this youth movement and new names up front. It makes it fun to watch as a fan and as a gambler. gives you hope that you can hit one of these long shots. So props to anyone out there who had Briscoe at that huge number. That's a big deal. Now, for anyone who's paying attention to practice and qualifying, it may not have been so out of left field that he were to win and this is just you know kind of a testament to why that's important because briscoe was sixth in practice sixth in qualifying he definitely had a fast car off the truck so that's what you want and when you're getting a number like that man so we're talking about guys that we like on this podcast each week usually on tuesdays or wednesdays and there is something to be said i mean we'll talk about it later but you definitely have to keep your eyes peeled at practice and qualifying to see if there's somebody else who kind of jumps out there. Because these other names that are stepping up, Tyler Reddick is one that he's definitely the more popular guy in this group of people. A lot of people are seeing, you know, a high ceiling for him, and I definitely think that he's going to get a win pretty soon. But you know, until these other bigger name guys, these bigger name teams start to figure out this car, the window is open for these guys. So to see some of these guys like Briscoe and Chastain doing well in practice and qualifying, that's an opportunity for you on the weekend to put a good bet in and and hit. So great job there um, by anyone who was able to see that and and make that happen. This, This new car really is playing a factor here in the racing, and it's fun to see. Now, looking back at the day, any takeaways? Blaney... I mean, it was just a, another, another week for Blaney because on Saturday after practice and qualifying, I put a bet in on Ryan Blaney. I tweeted that out. said, how could you not? I mean, his car was just fast. He was fast in the race, led the most laps, and once again had a pit roll failure. So that's problematic for that twelve team. What are they going to do to fix that? Because... Ryan Blaney is, like, I'm seeing championship material out of Blaney. His cars have been so fast. He's been driving the wheels off the thing. It's just, pit road, it's killing him. It's absolutely killing him. So, you know, can they get that fixed? I I still think that, you know, he's still worth betting on. We're going to talk about Blaney on this episode. But I think he's good enough to win a championship. Like, that's how good the, the cars have been. So they need to get that straightened out. And then Chase Elliott, another Chase, let one slip. I mean, he was up front towards the latter part of that race and kind of let that one slip away. So when's Chase going to put a full race together there? As far as our picks were concerned, we missed out on the winner, as a lot of people did last week. But we hit the Kevin Harvick top 10. That was a big one. He set or tied the record for most top 10s at a racetrack consecutively for 18 in a row at Phoenix. And we, like I said, we saw that minus 160 number and that was low to me. So we jumped on that with a, a higher number of units and it paid off for us. Kurt Busch was our top 10 pick. That was more of the wild card. He'd, that hit as well. He Good race for Kurt last week. I mean, he was really in the teens most of the time, 15 to 20. And then just kind of mining his P's and Q's was ended up you know, top 10 snuck in there towards the end of that race. So a, a good hit there. And then we had our, our face off. We had our guy Chris come on from the Flag Hunting Podcast. And, uh, you know, the sure thing, the Christopher Bell over Alex Bowman. I want to focus on that for one second because Christopher Bell, I mean, what is his deal? I think he's 30th in points right now. He just can't seem to get it together. And he had a good start to the race. He was up front towards the beginning and then. You know, before he even had that issue, he was kind of fading before that. And meanwhile, Alex Bowman, he was doing a little bit better than we had thought. But at the end of the race, he finished 14th. That's kind of right where we assumed he was going to finish. So it was really more so Christopher Bell just not coming through. A lot of people were on him last week and, you know, just really let them down. So Bell uh, really hurt Chris in this face-off and ended up getting the sweep there as the other two bets hit as well. Uh, Kyle Bush was able to sneak out the win against Denny Hamlin, who also has seen his troubles so far this year. So uh, I was able to get the 3-0 victory there. So hopefully we can have Chris on once again to have our rubber match as Chris uh, beat me last year. Uh, 3-0 actually. And uh, now I have the 3-0 victory this year. So we will see Chris again down the road. That is for sure. Um, race day put out a race day parlay. That baby hit. So 3-0 on that one as well. So it was a good day overall. Um, did have a, personally, a head-to-head matchup for Almondinger over Cole Custer. Uh, didn't put that out there on Instagram or Twitter or anything. That was just one that I threw some money down on. And we had talked a little bit about the Collegue Racing guys on uh, Derek's Twitter spaces, at Picks by Blaze on Twitter. And, you know, kind of talked about Justin Haley and AJ a little bit. And I was kind of thinking, you know, hey, something to be said here about this group. And those guys really were out to lunch a little bit last week. I, I did not see what I was hoping to see from them. Um That second colleague car has been pretty decent this year. And, and AJ really didn't have anything going last week. So that one hurt a little bit. But overall, pretty good on the head-to-head matchups, I would say, to, to sneak out the 3-0 victory in the faceoff. And 3-0 on the uh, race day parlay, pretty happy about that. So coming out of Phoenix on top, uh, even though we didn't have the winner this week. Still hit some, some good bets there along the way. So decent race overall, new winner, always generates some buzz. And I'd say that the West Coast swing was definitely um, a good one for NASCAR. They're coming out with their heads held high, that is for sure. So now let's turn our attention to Atlanta, because this is the most anticipated Atlanta race that I can remember since I've been doing the podcast, and we're going to get into why. But first, I'll give you the track stats, and then we will get into why they might not necessarily matter, but still worth looking at nonetheless. So in the history of the Cup Series, we've gone to Atlanta 115 times That's a long time. The winner has started on the poll 14 times. Casey Kane was the last one to do it, though, in 2006. So it's been a while from the poll. Top five, the winner has started there 54% of the time. And top 10, almost 80% of the time, the winner has started in the top 10, which may be why they've kind of made some changes as we're going to get into. The winner has started outside of the top 20 only eight times in the history of the track. And Jimmy Johnson was the last one to do it in 2015. As far as manufacturer trends, Ford had their five race win streak snapped last fall by Chevy when I think it was Kurt Bush that won that race. Um, so Ford definitely had it going on until Chevy snapped it. But between the two of them, Ford and Chevy, they've won nine of the last 10. So Toyota hasn't won a race here since 2013 and Kyle Busch doing that. So it's been a long time for Toyota here in Atlanta. So those are the track stats. Now, the reason I'm saying that that stuff might not matter and the reason that this race has a ton of eyeballs on it is because they have done a complete reconfiguration of this racetrack. If you have not heard about this yet, I'll try to do my best to to give you the breakdown. But I would imagine if you're a fan of NASCAR, you know, I've heard them talking about it on various uh, broadcasts and, and podcasts. So the old configuration, you know, it's a mile and a half racetrack. And what they did to it was they made it a high banked mile and a half. And the risk here or what they're going for with this design is to be able to put together what would... Hopefully, look like super speedway style racing on this mile and a half racetrack. So they made the, the banks from 24 degrees, they moved it up to 28 degrees. They've got um, they're going to be using the double yellow line, you know, just like Talladega and Daytona. Um, they're going to have more narrow turns, which should be pretty interesting to see. And this is just a huge risk because. If it doesn't pay out, you know, they put all this money into it, if they're not getting the pack racing that they want and it just turns out that they're bunched up to start but then cars, you know, end up getting really strung out just like we're used to at Atlanta, then this will all be for naught because what is the purpose of putting yourselves under construction and making all these changes if you're still really going to get the same style of racing that you're used to seeing? NASCAR is going all in on this. And we're getting conflicting kind of predictions. Um, There are some people out there, you know, listening to the Teardown podcast, Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi. They're kind of like holding their opinion. They really want to see what's to happen here before they, you know, make any judgment calls. But um, the general consensus is we want this to really work out, but it's kind of uh, pretty skeptical, I guess, to see. You know, seeing is believing the type of thing I guess is the way to say it. So when you're looking at this, first of all, practice is going to be huge because you're going to be able to see right then and there, you know, what the type of racing is. And practice this week is on Friday. Of course, I have a um, wedding, my first wedding for the first time in like four years is during uh, the most anticipated practice of the NASCAR schedule in forever. Um, so, you know, that's a big deal this week at practice to be able to see how is that racing? You know, are they are we going to get a taste of what the real race is going to be like? Um, there was a test there and drivers gave feedback and apparently NASCAR made changes based on their feedback and the guys that raced in that, you know, Kurt Busch, Chris Busher and Chas I think was the last one, they all... It said that it definitely felt like it could be a, a car in a, a track that generates super speedway style pack racing, um, you know, drafting and all that. So, that is good news for NASCAR and the fans that want to see this. Um, so, really, you just got to wait and see. And so, it puts the gambler in a little bit of a pickle. And I'm going all in on something that I'm going to break down here for you in preparation for Atlanta. Each week, I typically break down, you know, for the history of the racetrack, I get into the driver rating stat, I get into the average finish stat. Those are the, the top two that I use. And then I sprinkle in other things that I found that are interesting throughout the, the episode based on random things that I'm seeing about drivers. Well, this week, we can't really go off of the just pure history of Atlanta because if This is going to work out the way NASCAR wants it to, then it's going to be a completely different race. And they want it to be like Daytona and Talladega. So, what I'm doing this week is doing something that I did when the Roval was new. All right. I basically created a stat that I call lovingly the draft stat. So, this is. In essence, driver rating minus average finish. So I'm about to break this down for you here. And if you you know love numbers and things like that, then great. If not, I apologize. We'll get through it. But I just want to give you the foundation for the way I'm breaking down this episode when we're talking about various drivers. I need some sort of foundation to go off of as we're making picks. So when we went to the Roval and there was no data on the Roval, what I did was I took um, stats from charlotte and then at that point there was only two road courses in the circuit it was watkins Glen and sonoma and i took them all up and i combined them into this one stat that i called draft well i'm doing something pretty much the same here this week so i'm looking at the last five races at atlanta motor speedway as well as the last five races from daytona and talladega the two super speedways so we're combining the super speedway style and the mile and a half Atlanta racetrack. Now, for those last five races, at each one of those tracks, I'm looking at the average finish of the drivers and the driver rating for those tracks and the drivers. And I'm putting the driver rating in one spreadsheet, average finish in the other, and I'm then getting, for the three different racetracks, a driver's average, average finish, for all three of those tracks, and a driver's average driver rating. So after you get those two numbers, the driver rating being the stat that you want to score higher in, I'm taking the driver rating and I'm subtracting the average finish, and which is a stat you want to be lower in, and then whatever comes out the other end, whoever has the highest driver rating minus average finish is what I'm calling the draft. So that is the way, and I have a visual that I can put out there on Instagram to make that easier to follow, but this is how I'm incorporating all of the history here for that stat. And I'm going all in because NASCAR is going all in, right? I could just sit back and say, yeah, I'm I'm not worried about the super speedway. I don't believe in that. I'm going to go with, you know, history from Atlanta, but I'm trying to get creative here. And so that's what I'm basing a lot of my predictions off of this week because, you know, we need to do something different. If they're doing something different with this racetrack, I feel like we need to adjust. Now I put together all these numbers. I put together the spreadsheets and, you know, I did that Sunday night into Monday morning and was still a little bit nervous, you know, because like, Hey, this is a a bit of a risk, but you know, that's what gambling is, but I was dying to see what the odds were going to be from the sports books. And lo and behold, Monday night, the sports books, at least DraftKings came out. I don't know if they were first or if there was others, but DraftKings dropped their odds Monday night, and it was right what I wanted to see. DraftKings and the sports books have no idea how to handle this week at Atlanta. The numbers, the odds that we're getting on these guys are exactly the same as what you would see at Daytona or Talladega. The favorite is plus one thousand. All right, so there is opportunity here for the gambler to cash in a big ticket on anyone. You know, it doesn't matter if the favorite hits. If you're betting on the favorite, it's plus plus 1,000. That's awesome. 10 to 1 to win. That's what we're looking for. So that gave me some validation that what we're talking about here with this draft, combining Talladega and Daytona into Atlanta, that's the way to go. That's the the validation I was looking for. So I'm feeling a lot more confident here in that. Um, So... Very happy to see that, and I will make some adjustments, you know. So I'm going to call out some guys that I like to win the race, but practice and qualifying are going to tell us a lot, just like it did with Briscoe last weekend. So I'm kind of reserving the right to um, put some picks out there if I see anything on Instagram or Twitter based on the the speeds that we're seeing this weekend. So it's maybe longer shots, you know, because that is a a very good possibility. If some of these long shots are winning at the – tracks that are normal like Phoenix, well, man, what else could we see at something like this? If the racing pans out to be exactly what NASCAR wants, it could be a huge weekend for a gambler out there. So let's get into the three guys that I'm going to call out to win the race. And like I said, they're all kind of towards the top of the list, but you're still getting great value for all of them. And these guys, like I said, at the top of the episode, I'm calling them the bad news bears because so far this season, they haven't really had much luck, but I'm starting with Ryan Blaney. He's plus 1000. He's one of the favorites, Kyle Larson being the other. And I talked about the pit road problems, but pit road problems be damned. I'm going with Blaney here because he absolutely crushes these stats. He's at the top of the list when we're talking about this draft stat chart. All right. He is the only driver that has won at all three of the tracks that we care about in the last five races for all of them. Daytona, Atlanta, Atlanta, and Talladega. So throughout the episode, I'm going to be calling out the last 15 races. You know, typically I say, okay, in the last 10 races, we've had this guy, this many wins, etc. I'm calling out the last 15 races, but it's five races per track. Looking at Blaney's, it's unbelievable. His last 15 races at these three tracks, he has four wins, eight top fives, 11 top 10s. His average, average finish is first. 9.5 his driver is drive rating, a second 97.0, which gives him the first overall draft stat 87.5. That's the top number here when we're looking at this created stat, and so his Atlanta win was stolen. I guess he stole that from Kyle Larson last year. If you remember, Larson absolutely dominated that race, but you know people did say, "Oh, Blaney didn't deserve it." I would disagree with that. I mean, Blaney hunted him down at the end of that race, and got the W. Now, did Larson have the best car that day? Yes. But Blaney still got the, the win and that matters. Now, he has been so good. Like I said, I, I could see championship written all over this 12 team, but they're just not able to lock down a race. So they can just put a full race together. This team is going to be in victory lane at some point, And why not this weekend where his stats are just through the roof for this style of racing? So we are lucky. To have this plus 1,000 odds, because if he hasn't had those struggles, if he's had no issues on pit road, he would have had much better finishes so far, maybe even a win or two. And these odds, even though the DraftKings and other sports books of the world don't really know how to play this, I guarantee you they'd be a lot lower then plus 1,000. Maybe plus 850. That's what Hamlin was going off as to start at Daytona this year. I think you would see that number. So we're kind of lucky. Let's consider ourselves lucky for this week for Ryan Blaney. And getting him at 10-1 to as the favorite is is huge. Um, So looking at top five, if you don't like that number to win, which if you are one of those people, I'd say you're crazy. But top five, he's plus 120. And if you're looking at his top five numbers, he's over 50%. In these stats, these three racetracks in the last five races for each. So there's a number that, you know, 50-50, pretty confident as a, as a gambler, plus 120, that's good value there. So Ryan Blaney is someone that I absolutely have my attention on this weekend. Very anxious to see how he does at practice and qualifying once again. Last week, they were dominant. Can they do it again? And can they put a full race together? That's the thing with this 12 car. So lock me in big time. Ryan Blaney, 10-1. to We're going to go next to Denny Hamlin plus 1200. I'm I'm grabbing one from each manufacturer this week. And he's plus 1200. Nothing is going right for this team this year. They have zero top tens in four starts. And the question is do you panic about Denny Hamlin? You know, are, are they completely out of it this year? And the answer is no. We thank him for struggling because just like I was saying about Ryan Blaney, We get solid odds right now because if he was top 10 in people to death like he was last year, he wouldn't be at 12 to 1. This is what we're looking for. All right. His bad luck has been killing his races. So, you know, this is potentially the remedy that he needs a a racetrack like this. I mean, isn't Denny Hamlin the the super speedway guy, right? Stereotypically, we're we're looking at him, especially at Daytona, as like the go-to guy. At Atlanta, historically, We don't really think of Denny Hamlin, at least I don't, but in his last five races, specifically at Atlanta, he has three top fives and his fourth in average finish. So that's pretty damn good. You combine that with the fact that he's got such good super speedway numbers, how could you not be on board with Denny Hamlin this week? His draft, the stat that I've been harping on, he's third out of everyone in NASCAR in that stat. So that's super impressive. His Atlanta success plus that super speedway success gives way to what we're looking for this week. At the last five races at these three tracks, or last 15, two wins, nine top fives, 11 top tens. So, you know, if this actually does play out like NASCAR wants, he needs to be in your betting slip this weekend because the question is, how could you not? Make a case... Other than the fact that they've been off, I guess, this year, just having some bad luck, when you're looking at this track coming up, how could you not take him at plus 1,200? It just doesn't make sense to me. So, Denny Hamlin's very much, just like Ryan Blaney, very much in my sights this weekend. I think he could have a a good week. The last guy that I'm betting on is Chase Elliott, plus 1,300. Now, bear with me here because I think he could have won last week. I was on him last week. I, I was really hoping he could get it done. And, you know, kind of just let me down. It's been well documented. They called it out on the broadcast a few times. And, you know, people now on Twitter and such, they're saying that he hasn't had an oval win since 2020's championship race. And it's starting to build up now. You know, in any sport, you get that kind of narrative. And then everybody sort of gets behind it. And then it becomes a real problem. Right. So you got to hope that that gets nixed here for Chase Elliott. So the thing is, he's not historically great at Atlanta. Three top tens in his last five races in his career and seven starts. He only has a best finish of fifth. It's one top five finish. And the thing is, this is his hometown track, two hours away from Dawsonville. So that, to me, always plays a factor. Whenever you go to Atlanta, people call that fact out. And, you know, there's always that little bit of pressure on there. So it's kind of confusing as to why he hasn't had a little bit more success. Is it the pressure? So here's a conspiracy that I was kind of, I think I saw somebody tweet this out and then I got to thinking about it. You know, is Atlanta trying to make it easier for Chase to get some victories around their area? So just, you know, the hometown guy gets it done and turns that track into a favorite of his own. Um, You know, his super speedway success isn't phenomenal historically, but it's definitely been getting better. We, we talked about that the Daytona episode. He's now becoming a force in the, the Daytona races and, um, you know, a little bit in Talladega. So if they make it more of a super speedway, now the hometown boy gets a little bit of a benefit from that. It kind of reminds me of um, playing hockey in, in college. There was a team, two teams actually, up in the Northeast who were historically awesome at their endurance. They were just like the teams that would always grind you down. And when I was playing, the one team actually had their rink changed into a larger rink than an Olympic size rink to make it larger. So team, you know, obviously you look at that and you say, wow, you know, it would be tough to play there. And I don't know how it was legal, but they changed it so that their rink was bigger than everybody else's and they just wore teams down and they benefited from that. That reconstruction of the rink helped them out. Kind of reminds me of, like, maybe what's happening here in Atlanta. The hometown boy getting the the track to get reconfigured in the style of racing that fits what he's good at. Um, I guess you could argue if that was the case, they could make it a road course. But in any case, you know, Chase definitely is someone who would benefit from this um for sure. He's better at super speedways, like I said, but his total draft is ninth out of everyone in those last 15 races, five apiece. He's zero wins, three top fives, nine top tens at these three tracks. And in talking with Derek this week early, uh, he's somebody who had mentioned to me that he's all over chase this week. So you'll definitely want to jump into his Twitter space, 8 PM Wednesday nights is where you can find that. It's a great show and he'll probably break down his full thoughts on chase, but he had mentioned, you know, chase being pretty good at new tracks that NASCAR introduces. Um, uh, so this being a new configuration, this could work out in his favor. There's a lot of other, uh, favorable things that are happening this week, potentially for chase. So, um, Definitely give that a look to hear Derek's points, but I was happy to hear that he was somebody else that was on Chase this week as well. To me, this is just something that um, I, I think that Chase, kind of like these other two, right? These bad news bears, one of these three guys is going to have their rut kind of snapped out of them this week. Chase is plus 150 for a top five. And, you know, if you don't think that he can get the dub, I think top five is well within reason for Chase. So plus 150 that is uh another number that i'm pretty happy taking so one from each camp this week chase to win the race is 1300 uh denny hamlin plus 1200 and ryan blaney plus 1000 to win we're gonna be here all day we're gonna be here all day baby i like this kind of party i like this kind of party baby. So now let's get to the finishing position bets, and these are all top 10s once again. Have not seen any lines on top 20s this week, so we might have to just keep calling this the top 10 section until we start seeing that. But we've had success this year at this point of the podcast. We've we've hit on a, a top 10 at least once uh, every single week, and so we're, we're back at it. And I've got one guy that I absolutely love, but He's top on my notes right now, but I'm actually going to skip past him. I'm going to throw a little teaser out there. We're going to save him for last out of these three guys. So, the first guy that I'm going to call out here is someone that I feel like we should be getting a little bit better odds on, uh, but he's plus 100 right now to finish in the top 10. And we're talking about Austin Dillon in the three car. All right. So, I feel like it should be maybe like plus 150, plus 200. But in any case, Looking at our draft stat, he's 11th on the board there. And I was looking at it, and he's actually 5th in average, average finish. And looking at Atlanta specifically, historically at Atlanta, he's top 10. So in the last five races in Atlanta, he's been very consistent. So you take that and you combine that with the fact that Austin Dillon has been labeled kind of another super speedway guy, and it makes it all the more interesting, right? He's kind of a sneaky success at Atlanta. I did not really see that coming. So that's what we're looking for here, right? Because that's what NASCAR is looking for. They're looking for Atlanta plus super speedway. Well, here's another one of these guys, kind of like Blaney and Hamlin, that have had success in both places. Well, Austin Dillon, give me a top 10 here. He's got four top 10s in the last 15 races here that we care about, five from each track. So we're taking a bit of a shot here, plus 100. That is still value, in my opinion. Now, his teammate has had a lot of speed this year. Austin, not necessarily the same case. He had a good finish um, in one of these four races. I don't remember which one. But Reddick, for the most part, has been the leader in this camp. Reddick's minus 155 to finish in the top 10. I don't like that. Um, that, that value is just like too weird to me. I would take Redick top five number, um, but I think it's like plus 200. But top 10 for, for Redick, that's a little too risky. So I'm going with his teammate Austin Dillon here for all the reasons that we said. I mean, the fact that he's showing up as 11th on the chart for our draft stat, that tells you he's in the ball game here. So mark me down, plus 100. You might be able to get him. Maybe Barstool has a better number for Austin Dillon. They historically, so far this year, have had better values for your top 10 finishers. They just take a little while for them to put them on their site. So keep your eyes peeled for Austin Dillon on Barstool for maybe a better number than Plus 100, but I still like it. As long as you're getting value as the gambler, the three car top 10 this week, I got my eye on it. Now, here's another guy you probably want to wait for the Barstool line to come out, but. Um, this is a a tricky one. And it's risky in two different ways. It's Brad Kozlowski and he's minus 140 to finish in the top 10. So this is where my mind is at with this. I say it's risky in two different ways. It's risky because minus 140 is not great as the gambler. And also Brad, Uh, he has been off to a dismal start. And I think that there is reason to panic. I think if you're in the sixth team we may be at a point where I need to just stop picking him. But here's the thing. So so maybe, you know, if he goes out and lays another egg, that's it for me for a while until he starts to prove himself. But let me explain kind of why I'm looking at him once again this week. So despite his start to the season, his overall stats stand out. I mean, in these 15 races, five from each track, he's got eight top tens. That's over 50%. It's kind of what we're saying uh, about Blaney in his top fives he's doing this top tens um, historically. His numbers at Atlanta specifically are top five. He's fourth, I believe, in average finish. Um, So that's a big one. And looking at his draft stats, he's second on our list here. So that is huge. I mean, if looking at the driver rating last five races from each track, the average combined driver rating, Brad is first on that list, 99.2. So second overall in our full draft stat that jumps out to me then you know looking at Atlanta plus super speedway you know if that's how it works out he's another guy that's going to benefit from it and you say to yourself well this season Brad's been completely out to lunch but in Daytona he was there i mean he he was a little too aggressive and obviously didn't get the finish that he wanted but that car was there they were 7th in green flag speed at Daytona so you know they need a shot in the arm After these first few races, coming out of this West Coast swing, getting back into this super speedway type style, Brad Kozlowski could benefit from it. Practice is huge for this one. He's plus 250 to finish top five. That might be a little much to ask of this team after being so bad so early in the season. So keep your eye on Brad on a number of different things. First, what his bar stool top 10 value is. You might be able to get him in a different number than minus 140. And two, pay attention to how he does at practice. What are his speeds at practice? Because if they're bringing speed to the table, now you're very much in the game on this bet. So he's someone who I'm focused in on early this week, and I'm hoping to, to place a good bet on Brad to bounce back a little bit. I'm cheering for him in that six car. So now we'll get to the guy that I absolutely love this week. I love the value, love the driver. It is Chris Busher at plus 250 to finish in the top 10. All right. So this is a situation where you can take advantage of the odds while you can. The last five Atlanta races, he is better than the likes of Elliott, Byron, Almirola, like other guys, other big name drivers that you would think of. He's got two top 10s in those Atlanta races, those last five. His draft rating, his draft rank is 10th out of everyone. Now, I put an asterisk on that because Sindrick is actually 10th, but I'm kind of removing him because he did not qualify for um, a couple different tracks. So, Burkholm Busher a top 10 driver in our draft stat, his average finish of these three racetracks is sixth. I mean, that's just crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, that sixth ranking there is definitely a big help towards his 10th overall draft rating, and he's had success at super speedways. So looking at his stats in these last 15 races, doesn't have a, a win, but he's got top five, seven top tens, and that's what we're looking for here. So almost 50% of the time, he's finishing in the top 10. His green flag speed at Daytona this season was 10th. He had a really solid car, and you know he was definitely someone to reckon with towards the end. I was on Chris Busher Uh, for a couple different bets. Head-to-heads, I think, in Daytona were my big ones. And he got taken out towards the end of that race, no fault of his own. So uh, I think it was the the Stenhouse crash that got him. So good race car, and the team was on it this year. Really good stats from looking at he's an off-the-beaten-path type of guy. He's plus 800 for a top five. I mean, that's crazy to think about. And then to win the race, plus 7,000. I mean, that's getting a little ahead of ourselves here you know we want to set goals that are realistic but if we're saying that anything can happen here i mean hell why not you know 10 bucks on that maybe uh he was part of the testing in january so he's seen this track configuration more than almost every other driver before practice so that is something to consider you know when gamblers are throwing money down you're looking for every little bit of edge for all of those reasons, that's why I love Chris Busher, especially at this number, plus 250. I mean, it makes sense to me. It, it, he should be kind of flip flop with Austin Dillon, I think, as far as their odds, but we'll take advantage of it. So lock me in when you can get it, plus 250 for Chris Busher in a top 10. The other two guys, Dillon plus 100, and Kozlowski minus 140, but hoping to get him a little bit better value as the week goes on. Can you do again? Yeah. Can you send my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. So let's round things out for this episode, talking about some head-to-head matchups. Did pretty solid last week. Got a little lucky with the face-off, but the race day parlay dominated that one as well. So let's get into it. Um, Got some fun matchups here, some guys that we have not really talked about, at least the last three weeks. So I'm going to start with a matchup. I'm just going to tell you who I like right off the bat. I'm not going to do the thing where I kind of go through each stat and then make a pick at the end. I'll do that for a couple of the others. But to start, we're looking at Harrison Burton, minus 110, versus Cole Custer, minus 110. And I am taking Cole Custer in this head-to-head matchup. I think it's time. I'm going to put my neck out there, and I'm going to be critical right now of a driver, and it's going to be Harrison Burton, that 21 car. I think it's that point in time where we're able to say, well, did they make the right call bailing on Matty D? Because Burton has not been a factor in any race this year. Like, not to say that Matt DiBenedetto was dominating or, or, you know, doing anything super positive, but he has been a factor at some of these racetracks that we just went to. And Burton, I know he's a rookie. We got to give him a little bit of slack. But Why make that move when they did? You know, it's starting to look like more of a head scratcher than maybe it did last year um, when they announced it. I have not seen anything out of Harrison Burton this year to make me say, yeah, I'll take him in a head to head matchup. I mean, through five races, if you include the clash, um, the only, looking at like average finish for Harrison Burton, the only full time drivers that he's better than the average finish stat, is B.J. McLeod, Corey LaJoy, and Cody Ware. What does that say? That says that he's bottom barrel junk. So, that again, not what they wanted in the Wood Brothers 21 car. Not what Penske probably imagined as their fourth affiliated car. Um, 25.8 is his average finish so far this year through those five races, again, including the Clash. One top 20 on a super speedway and uh other than that he doesn't really have any cup experience to really go off of i'm not really including him in any of these draft stats he doesn't show up because he doesn't have enough data so again rookie obviously you want to cut him some slack but it doesn't uh doesn't compete with me no cup starts at atlanta you could spin that in a positive light, I guess saying like he doesn't really remember what the old configuration was so he doesn't have anything to relearn in the Cup series but I don't I don't like that. I just don't like the vibe I'm getting from the 21 cars. Sometimes in gambling you just got to go with your gut and you know the stats would say to avoid them but my gut is saying that as well. now Custer looking at him uh, in 2022 his average finish is 17.4 much 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 better than Harrison Burton, even though it's not great. Um, But looking at the draft stats, he's 16th on the board. And that surprised me a little bit. I didn't expect to see Cole that far up. When we're looking at like 38 drivers, he's in the upper half. It's pretty good. One top 10, a few top 20s at these three tracks in the last five. You had Stuart Haas racing win last week with Briscoe. You know, rising tide, floats all boats type of thing. And you know, that I think is what you can consider at Stuart Haas Racing. That win is so big for that organization who was so down. So Cole, you know, definitely going to be kind of leeching off that momentum a little bit here. So to me, breaking this down a little bit more, you know, simplistic, um, Cole has been serviceable. You know, he's there. He's, he's going to run mid-pack. He's going to be, you know, 15th to 20th this year. Burton has not shown me anything. So that's why, you know, to see this matchup as an even matchup, minus 110, jumped out at me. So I had to jump on that. Custer is the pick here, minus 110. Prove me wrong, Harrison Burton. You know, I, I want to see something out of him because I really do like the 21 car in that camp. But for right now, going with that 41 Cole Custer. The next matchup is another interesting one, and this is one that you would definitely see at... Daytona or Talladega. Uh, we might have even seen this exact matchup at Daytona this year. I can't remember. But it's Michael McDowell minus 105 versus Eric Jones, a slight favorite at minus 115. Both these guys would benefit from a super speedway style here at Atlanta. Um, so I was anxious to see kind of like what their stats were. How did it shake out for them? Looking at the draft stats. So Michael McDowell in those last fifteen races, one win the Daytona five hundred last year, three top fives, four top tens in those uh, set of last five at three tracks, but he's horrendous at Atlanta. That absolutely kills his draft stats. That drops him down to twenty-sixth on the board when we're looking at that. And surprisingly, Eric Jones is much higher up. His draft is nineteenth. So the comparison when you're looking at that total stat number. It's 53.2 compared to 46.6. That's a pretty big swing. All right. Jones, two top fives, four top tens in the last 15 races at those three tracks. So similar average finish, but Eric Jones absolutely crushes McDowell in driver rating. So that's telling you that His teams just don't get the finishes that they really deserve. And that's kind of the story for Eric Jones this year as well in 2022. I mean, he's had a really good start to this season. He's 10th this season in driver rating in these four races. But his average finish is 18.4, which is way down the list, nowhere near 10th. So he's not closing out races like he can be. Imagine if that 43 car was getting the finishes that they really deserved That would be a a big story so far this year. But instead, I think they're 16th in points, you know, that they could be much higher up, which is a shame for them. But in 2022, he's absolutely destroying Michael McDowell in in driver rating, at least. He's, McDowell, 57.2 as his driver rating. That's sixth worst in the series right now. So if you're looking at the two of them, they're kind of two ships in the night. Eric Jones is on an uptick, Michael McDowell on a bit of a downtick, so For all of those reasons, I'm going with Eric Jones here in this matchup, minus 115. I think he makes the most sense here because here's the other caveat. If I could see people saying, well, if this is going to be like Daytona and Talladega, then you got to go McDowell, right? He's so good. And I'm a McDowell fan at Daytona, you know that. But if there's a chance that it's much more like Atlanta than the Super Speedways, then you got to go Jones because McDowell is so bad at Atlanta it really is the, the kicker. So Jones is the pick here for me on this one. The last matchup is one that I did not know who I was going to pick until I really dug into the stats. A lot of times I'm looking at the matchups, I see the odds, I say, okay, this is who I want. Let me try to justify that and see if it works out that way. This one, I found the matchup interesting. So I was like, okay, let me go in blind and see how I come out. Apparently, People really like Ricky Stenhouse this weekend because I guess, you know, with the super speedway style, he's someone who comes to mind for everyone. He had a really great Daytona 500. I got to give him credit. He was very pesky. I was actually fading him in the 500. Um, I had him, you know, big time against him in head-to-head matchups and I ended up hitting, but for a while there, he was really hanging in there. So I'm putting this one squarely on our draft stats. I'm going to put a lot of faith in this research that we've done here. Looking at Ricky Stenhouse Jr., last 15 races, again, five races apiece for all three tracks, one top five, two top tens. Is that surprising to anyone else? Like two top 10 finishes out of 15 races on tracks that you would think would be up his alley, right? Not the case. His average finish is 21.0. So just to dive into that a little bit further, that's his average, average finish across these three tracks. But let's look into it. 19.2 at Atlanta, 24.3 at Daytona, 19.6 at Talladega in his last five races at all those. That's not great, right? That's not the, oh my God, this is a super speedway race, so let me jump all over Ricky Stenhouse. That's not what I'm seeing when you dig in these stats. Driver rating is 74.0. Not dominant um, there, but still pretty serviceable, kind of mid-pack there for the driver rating. His draft overall ranking is 19th out of everyone. So that's what we're trying to hang our hat on in this matchup. Now, speaking of the matchup, I'm realizing I didn't even tell you who he was going up against here, but because I went all in on Ricky Stenhouse, but He's faced off here against Bubba Wallace, who's minus one twenty, a slight favorite in this matchup. And let's look at Bubba here for a second. In his last fifteen races on these tracks, excuse me, one win, four top fives, four top tens. That's much more appealing, right? Not having a great twenty twenty two so far. Ricky Stenhouse this year has him in driver rating. He's, He's definitely performing a little bit better, but as far as average finish is concerned this year, Wallace hasn't beat 17.4 to 20.0. So they're kind of equal, I guess, in a way this year. But then looking at the draft stat, Bubba Wallace is 13th. Atlanta is the weakest of his three tracks. But if it goes to be a super speedway, he is very much a factor and much more so than Ricky Stenhouse, according to the stats. So when you hear, "Wow, Atlanta's turning into super speedway, a lot of people's minds clearly went to Ricky Stenhouse. What about Bubba? You know, and the odds would tell you that that's the case. I was actually looking at Stenhouse versus Christopher Bell for a second because they're even odds. And when I looked at the, the draft stats, I saw Bubba was higher up than Bell. So you're looking at someone who's ranks 13th on our draft stats to someone who's 19th. I'm putting a lot of faith in this, as you can tell. But I think the, the overall finishes and the stats outside of our created draft stat this week kind of proves the point here. It's that Ricky Stenhouse isn't all that that we think of when it comes to super speedways. And Bubba Wallace has been serviceable. So in this matchup, I'm going to go against Stenhouse. I'm going with Bubba Wallace, minus 120, head-to-head. Once again, you know, it's nerve-wracking betting against someone um, when you do that, because if they bite you, it's a pain. But we're going to go Wallace over Stenhouse here. So to recap the three head-to-head matchups this week that I like, it's that one, Wallace, minus 120, over Stenhouse, Eric Jones, over Michael McDowell, minus 115, and Cole Custer, Minus 110 over Harrison Burton. Let's lock it in and let's fucking go. Just some real quick news and notes here uh, before we wrap it up. You know, truck race is back once again this weekend. I need to look a little bit further into the stats there, but we've been pretty good so far through a couple races with the trucks. I'm hoping to get back to that. Their race is on Saturday afternoon. So, um, when I have some more thoughts on that, I will definitely post that on Instagram and Twitter for anyone to, to follow along because I've had a pretty good season. want to keep that going. Uh, trucks are definitely a, a favorite of mine, so we'll look into that this year. The the other thing I just wanted to mention, I'm looking as the season goes on here to start to compile a little bit of a, a, a personal ranking of the sports books that are available that you can bet on NASCAR and I've got my own thoughts and feelings off the bat, but I'm going to start to make it a little bit more comprehensive. And my hope is that over the the year here, um, once I build that up a little bit more, I can start to share those thoughts on the various sports books and have kind of the ranking, unofficial rankings of the sports books as far as NASCAR is concerned. Um, so the the overall situation for each one. So The reason I'm mentioning that is because if you have a sports book that you use, let me know why you use it and why it's good for NASCAR or the opposite. If you've got a a sports book that you feel like is not good uh, for NASCAR and I guess overall plays a factor into it as well, let me know that as well. I want to hear anyone who has thoughts on that to kind of put into these uh, considerations as I'm working through this because I would like to have kind of a ranking out there for people to look at and comment on. So we will eventually break that down. I don't know if it'll be all in one episode or, you know, Phil's fired up. I'll do one sports book and then the next episode next week, I'll do another. Just kind of playing around with that thought, you know, it's just at the top of my mind right now as we're getting into um, springtime here. So again, any thoughts that you might have, please message me on Twitter and Instagram. At full tank fill on both. Uh, I'd be glad to kind of hear what you're thinking there and, and why you use the book that you use. And even if it's an offshore uh, account, because your state doesn't have gambling legal yet, for that, you know, I, I feel bad. Uh, but let me know about that as well. What offshore book do you use and why? So throwing that out there because uh, I think that would be interesting to kind of have all grouped together. So with that, we will put an end to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks so much for joining and listening this week. It should be very interesting. So keep your eyes peeled, practice, and qualifying, and get those bets in when you can in between. And we'll see what comes out the other side here this week at Atlanta. Join us next week when we're going to be breaking down CODA the first road course of the year and we may be joined by a special guest for that one once again this year so remember drive fast take chances and we'll see you next week <laughs> no place to go. no go